Amen. He is a good, good God. Praise the Lord. Give him a hand clap there. Uh, Chris, you can go ahead and you have that video. Uh, I wanted to show you all this. This is a video from the well that we just drilled this past week uh, at a widow's house. Give you all a little bit of an idea of the mess we were in. That's Andrew there behind there drilling. And that's the slop we got to work in. We had so much uh, cuttings coming out of there, we couldn't stop it from getting and stopping up our suction line. So I put the Guatemalans in there with uh, canastas and got all the stuff out. It was a mess. It was a real wreck. But the end result was we drilled, we got, we drilled 100 foot, got the biggest well we've ever drilled. We got... We don't know. I didn't have a pump big enough to pump the thing off. We were pumping 32 gallons a minute out of it and pumped it for 45 minutes and never pumped the well off. And so uh, it was amazing. We had water run down the street. We had water everywhere. Everybody got water because we just let it run. And uh, so anyway, it was a glory hallelujah for that. That's the first widow's uh, for for a widow, the well that we've drilled. That was the first one. So praise God, this was starting off with a bang. So that was a really big deal. And you know what Tracy was saying a while ago, I, I, you know, I spent all week down there. Of course, I didn't really get to spend a lot of time with the kids because we went out. Uh, I was, we were on the job site at 8 o'clock and didn't come in until 7.30 every night. And, and, uh, and so I didn't get a whole lot of time with the kids. But on Sunday, I preached down there and then spent the whole day with them. And it is amazing to me, these, these kids, how they've been so abused in life but have, have now have so much love. And they just love me. And they come up to me and hug me and tell me that they know that, that, that I love them because I show up down there all the time. And they know that this church loves them because we give to them. And they're, they're just blessed and changed. And they're just most inspirational kids to be around. And uh, I just was laughing because on Sunday morning, uh, I was at the back of the church. And I was just worshiping the Lord. And they were doing praise and worship. And you know how, you know, I'm just standing there with my eyes closed. You know how you just get that sense that something's around you? Something's off, you know. And so... I opened up my eyes and I looked down and there was a little girl, a two-year-old, that had got left her seat from where she was and she'd began creeping down the aisle towards me. Now, why would you do that? You know, I'm not the, the you know, probably the nicest looking guy there. And so here she comes and she comes right up there and she's just, you know, she, she's chewing her fingers and she's looking down and she's just coming up to me and kind of looking up at me. And, and so I sat down at my seat and and, you know, I'm real sensitive with the kids because they've been in such abusive situations, you know, and I'm real sensitive not to, to, to be physical or, you know, with them unless they're wanting that, you know. And so I slowly reached out and I, I touched her shoulder and, and I touched her head and, and then she kept looking up at me. And then so I asked her if she wanted to sit down. And so she got up there and she sat down in the seat by me and, and, uh, then, then she moved over a little closer to me and, then she poked my leg, and then I poked her leg, and then she started smiling. And then Bethany looks over at me, and she says, she's got your heart. And I said, it's over with with this one right here. I mean, uh, this kid is going to be the top of the town. But that's just the way that they are. They're looking for love. They're looking for somebody to love them. And then we get with the older girls, you know, that are and boys uh, that are, um, you know, 17, 18, 19 years old and, and already certain that they, they speak pretty decent English and and they'll talk to you and and they're just so full of love and their lives are so changed and I just am so blessed that we are a part of it just 
whatever part of it. We're just a part of it. Something that big going on because, man, I've never seen anything so transforming. Now, they have their issues or problems. They have kids that get rebellious. They have different things. It's like you'd be raising any teenagers. But the transformation from where they were to where they are. And then this is the other thing. I noticed that, that when we were going to the widow's house, we had to go through this little town. And, and you start noticing just the Guatemalan people. The normal Mayan Guatemalan people, they're just beat down. They have no hope. They have no, you, you can see it in their faces. They're just living to exist that day. They're just trying to gather whatever they had that day. They're, they're defeated. And then I look at the kids at the orphanage and they're just bright, shining lights singing, you know, we're more than conquerors and, you know, and, and they're just doing all kinds of amazing things. And it just, wow, it's just such a transformation what Jesus can do for a person's life if they will allow him to do it. Amen. And so I thank you all for everything going on, everything that we're doing. I thank you for your offerings, your giving, your, you know, I mean, it, it, it is, man, it's the bomb. Praise God. Amen. So look at the person beside you and say, way to go. So get your Bibles out this morning. And if you would go to the Old Testament first, go to Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23. I started preaching this message Wednesday night, but I was more just kind of teaching it. And this morning I got a real preach off of it. And so I'm going to, I'm just, if you were here Wednesday night, you're not going to hear the same thing again, but you're going to hear some of the same scriptures. Jeremiah 9, 23. It says, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. So basically, the prophet Jeremiah, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is declaring unto the world. He said, look, there's no sense in glorying in your riches. There's no sense glorying in how strong you are. There's no sense glorying in how good looking you are. No sense glorying in, in, in whatever you've accomplished on this earth. And if you want a, a glory in anything, glory in... Rejoice in that you know God, the one who created this world and all therein. Now think about that for a minute, church. It's so true that today, every time, uh, uh, here, here's a good example. Used to, in the 70s, when I was a kid growing up, it was a big deal if anybody could break a four-minute mile. Now today, man, if you run a four-minute mile, you're nothing, Right? It seems like every time you can get to a place where you can accomplish something, somebody sets the bar higher. How about, how about, y'all remember, what was the little old man's name uh, that started when, way back in like the 60s and he did all the weightlifting and stuff? Uh, Jack LaLanne. And, you know, he was like, you know, her, you know, he was like, for his day and everybody's like, ooh. Now that, he would be nothing. Compared to what they have, you know, you've got every, every ridiculous thing in the world that people do, right? But God says, look, if you want to know something, if you want to glory in something, just glory in that you know me. Now think of that. He's throwing out an invitation to know the God that created the world and all they're in, who made trees, who made humans, who breathes life in us. He says, I want to know you. Do you want to know me? Yeah. I want to know you, but do you want to know me? He gives an open invitation to sit down with the creator of the world and say, what do you want to know? 
I want to be your friend. Think of that, church. Think of that. No matter who you could be friends with, no matter what powerful person you might could know and have a relationship and say, oh, well, I know so-and-so. How about this thing? Well, I know God. How about to have such confidence in your life that when you're going through the, the trials and tribulations in this world that we face, that you can face them with confidence and say, well, I, you know, I, know, I know God. I know what he has to say. I know what he has to say about this matter. I know what he is able to do. I know what he can accomplish. I know what I know that I, man, I know him. I had a person the other day ask me uh, uh, on, a, on a situation and said, how do, how do you know how to do this? How did you accomplish this? And I said, well, um, every time I run into a problem, I just stop and pray and I ask God. And then he shows me what to do. And you can see the look on their faces like, what are you talking about? I was serious. That's how I did it. I prayed. I asked God to give me wisdom, fully well expecting him to bring whatever I needed in to, to come to pass. I felt like it was going to come and the resource that I needed, it would be there. Hello? Now, let me read another scripture to you. Jeremiah 29, 12. Jeremiah 29, 12. It says, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. Do you hear that? Do you hear what he's saying? God's saying, you're going to talk to me and I'm going to listen to you. And you will seek me and you're going to find me when you search for me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you to a place in which I cause you to, that I've caused you to be carried away captive. Now he's talking about Israel there because they sinned and didn't follow God. But listen to the verbiage. He's saying, if you seek me, you're going to find me. He's given an open invitation to every one of us because we're in Jesus. And because we're in Jesus, we're in the covenant. Everything's open to all of y'all. There's nobody in here going to say, well, you know, I sought for God and I couldn't find him. No, you looked in the wrong place. Hear what I'm saying? He is there to be found, but you have to know where to look. Now. If you're, if you're going to, listen, if you're going to look for me, if you're going to try to find me in town, well, it wouldn't work in this town, in, 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 in some town, you're going to try to find, you're not going to find me in a candle shop. <laughs> not because I dislike candles, but because always with candle shops go potpourri and all that kind of stuff, and it always stops me up instantly. So I don't go, I go... If my wife's going to go in there, you know, she's going to go, oh, I ain't going in there. No, no, no. You'll never find me in a candle shop. Hello? But just like what's so funny is every day we were down there drilling and every day we were working, man, about two o'clock, I want a cup of coffee. I'm in Guatemala, the coffee capital of the world. I want a cup of coffee. So I tell the other guys, hey, man, you know, is there any place we can get like get a cup of coffee? And they just look at me like I ask for something foreign. And I'm like, we're in Guatemala. I mean, dear Lord, bring the coffee and get, bring a coffee pot. We'll boil it right here. We have cowboy coffee right here on the deal. I said, y'all drink coffee, right? No. Sometimes I drink a cup on like Saturday, you know. So. <laughs> I'm like, what is the matter with you people? I said, well, we need a pot. We need it over here because I'll drink the whole pot. 
So here in a minute, they come back, got me a little craft full of coffee. And I said, man, we'll live. Now we can make it because like, you're not going to work this boy at 730 at night. They don't have a cup of coffee. It just ain't going to work. And they're looking at me like I'm some kind of crazy person because I'm drinking coffee in the middle of the day. But I said, this is just natural. If you're going to find me, you'll find me around a coffee shop. You got to know where to look. You got to know where, if you're going to find God and have a relationship with God, you got to know where to look. Hello? Now, I could turn this message, you know, into just a little simple message and say, so you're going to find him in the word, so read your word. Okay, but I'm going to go a different route. That all is true, but I'm going to go a different route. What I want to show you is that if you're going to know the nature, if you're going to have a relationship with God, you've got to know the nature of God. Okay? You've got to know what God likes. So, well, listen, okay? You're not going to find me eating Italian. I like pizza, but pizza don't like me. But I'm not going to go to San Antonio and go out to eat and go to an Italian restaurant. I'm not, nothing against it. God bless them. If you love it, great for you. I just never have gone with spaghetti and meatballs, and the, 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 I just don't like it. Just don't. You'll find me in a steakhouse or a Mexican food restaurant. It's two places I want to go. Y'all with me? These are the kind of things that I'm saying. If you're going to fellowship with me and you want to have a relationship with me and you're looking for me, you got to look for me in the right place. You have to know my nature. There's no sense going by that and saying, oh, look, there's a candle shop that sells wine. Pastor might be in there. You're looking in the wrong place. That's not my cup of tea. You're not going to find me in a tea house. <laughs> I'll drink tea as a last resort of something warm in my throat. But other than that, I don't like tea. I like coffee. I have the ability, the God-given gift inside of me that I can drink coffee at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night and go to bed within 30 minutes and sleep all night long. It is a gift from heaven. I love it. And so, you know, I make strong pot, drink it, boom, I'm out. I'm blessed like that. So, so my point is, if you're going to seek for God, he says he wants to talk to you, but you got to go to the right place. All right? And you have to understand what God's nature is. And the first thing you have to understand is that God is a God of covenant. God operates by covenant. Everything he does is by covenant. He says, I'll do this if you'll do that. I'll do this if you'll do that. It's real simple. That's the way he operates. And then he always keeps up his side of the bargain. Look at Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. When God cut a covenant with Abraham, he told him right off the bat what he would do for him. Genesis 12, 1, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house. This is what he's asking him to do. He's asking Abraham to do something. Did y'all see this? He's saying, I want you to do something for me. You got to get out of the mess you're in. I want you to leave. The family that's going to cause you to go in doubt and unbelief, I want you to leave the rock worshipers. I want you to leave that situation. I want you to come and I want you to follow me. I want you to the land that I will show. I'll make you a great nation. It's what he's going to do for him. I'm going to make you a great nation and I will bless you. Whoo! And I'll make your name great and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and I'll curse him who curses you. And in all the families of the earth, shall be blessed. So he told Abraham, he's showing him, I'm a God of covenant. 
I want you to leave. I want you to come and follow me. I want you to seek me with all of your heart. I want you to get away from that situation. I want you to separate yourself from your old ways. I want you to come and follow me. Give your heart to me, and then I'm going to bless you. And then I'm going to bless everybody that blesses you. And anybody who messes with you, they mess with the wrong person. I'm a God of covenant. God wants to operate with you in covenant. But what happens to us as Christians, a lot of times I believe this. I'm not accusing y'all. If you get convicted, it's the Holy Ghost, not me. I'm just preaching. But what happens a lot of times as Christians, we join a church. We don't become a member of the body of Christ. We just go and join a church, a denomination, and then we call ourselves that. But the truth is, that doesn't have anything to do with nothing. The truth is, you got to give your heart to Jesus. you got to cut covenant with Almighty God. And this is the covenant. Listen to me. It's, it's powerful. The covenant is, you give him your life, and he gives you eternal life. There's no, there's no going back on the covenant. It's like I said sometimes about marriage. I wish I could do this in a marriage, but it would just be too much. Because a marriage is a, is a covenant. And you just say, look, I want you, okay, y'all are going to get married. You really want to get married. Okay, well, this is the terms of the agreement. Y'all are going to get married. You're going to come down here. We're going to say the Spirit of God is going to come on you. He's going to change you. Da, 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 da. And if you break the rules of this, well, then you can kill her or she can kill you, whichever way you want to do it. <laughs> then I said, whoa, wait a minute. That's kind of crazy. No, we're going to do this today, and that's really the way it is here. You're going to give me the pistol and the bullet, and so I keep it. And then if you call me and say, look, he broke the covenant, I say, okay, well, here's the pistol and the bullet, go shoot him. You say, well, that's just radical, severe. I understand that. But the point of covenant is, is it's a covenant. It means what it means. It can't be broken. And if you break it in the Old Testament, the penalty was death. So you didn't cut a covenant with anybody lightly. If Bruce came to me and wanted to cut a covenant with me and said, hey, Robert, I want to cut a covenant with you. I will provide you this if you'll provide me that. And I said, okay. I didn't do it lightly because there was people and they saw it. And if I didn't provide Bruce what Bruce had provided me, you know, in the, in the terms of the covenant, he had the right to kill me. So you just didn't go around willy-nilly making covenants. So God says, I want you to give me your life. I want you to get out of your country. I want you to get away from those ways. I want you to come and go. But we Christians... Take it lightly. We join a church or we join a denomination. That's why I've always said about Living Waters Church, you can't join Living Waters Church. We do not have membership here. <laughs> the end of that. And if you want to be a member of Living Waters Church, you just need to tell me, I'm going to be here and I want you to be my pastor and then bless God you're in the family. And there it is. Ain't no letters, ain't no nothing else going on because I'm telling you, you can't join a church. You join the body of Christ. You join Jesus. And if you want to get hooked up here and work here with us, well, then, you know, we're, re we're about rescuing orphans. We're about worship. We're about preaching. We're about teaching. We're about getting people saved. We're, we're about getting people baptized in the Holy Ghost. This is what we're about. This is the coffee shop we hang out at. Right? We don't get out at 12. I mean, it's just the way it is. It's Enduro Church. <laughs> so my point is, God is a God of covenant. You have to understand this. God only operates in covenant. He says, you give me your life, 
I will give you eternal life. But he says more than that. It's not just eternal life. There's more to it. Because as you get into a covenant with God who created the heavens and earth and all therein, there's blessings that come to you. All right? Go to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Let's go down to verse 13. Now, now, Paul is talking about Abraham. And he said the promise that he would be an heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. You mean the promise was being the heir of the world? That's what it said. The promise that you would become the heir of the world? For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. Because the law brings about wrath where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of, are of the law, but also those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I've made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who, he, who in the presence of him whom he believed God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things that do not exist as though they did. Who contrary to hope in hope believed that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So that he became the father of many nations according to. To what was spoken. Let me read again. So that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. Now think about this. Abraham at this point was 100 years old. He had no children. There was nothing going to happen. He's kind of a shriveled little old man. He's there. He's just thinking, what is God talking about? Why didn't he give me a son years ago? Ah, I says, oh, I'm old, Sarah's old, holy cow, we're going to have a kid. Are y'all with me? You're at the end of your life and God says, behold, I make you a mighty nation. Are the father of many nations. You don't have any children. You're 100 years old. <laughs> Listen to this. Some of y'all, I'm telling you what, I just prophesy this over y'all right now. Some of y'all, at the age that you're at right now, when you think your life is coming to an end, is going to explode and God is going to do something with you that's going to be so unbelievable, so amazing, and everybody's going to be sitting around saying, wow, how did that happen? <laughs> Psalms 92, My wife's reading it to me this morning. Says you're going to flourish in your old age. So, you know, I'm telling you what, don't give up, don't quit. Abraham right here is 100, but he understands something. He understands that he is going to have a relationship with a God who is a God of covenant. Everybody say covenant. And he said that if God spoke it, it would have to happen. So shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead. That's what Paul's saying about his body. He said, oh, Abraham, he's already dead. Whew. 
since he's about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise. In other words, the promise didn't overwhelm him. But we Christians keep getting overwhelmed with the goodness of God and his promises and saying, well, if God's so good, why did this happen? That's a worm that the devil's put in your brain to get you to accuse God of not doing what God said he would do when the whole problem is never on God's side. It's always on our side. We're not believing him. And what I'm saying to you this morning is God's got a covenant. And if God is not going to say it unless he's going to do it. Hear me? I'm preaching really good this morning. Abraham said, I'm not going to consider that I'm dead and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He said, I ain't looking at that. I'm looking at God said this. Do you hear what I'm saying, church? Listen to me. He's like, I'm not looking at the physical. I'm not looking at the deadness of my body. I'm not looking at what's going on around me. I'm looking at what God has promised me. And I know God and God's a God of covenant. So if God's a God of covenant, he cannot promise me unless he's going to provide, perform it for me. <laughs> oh, God, this is good. Oh, I'm getting so excited. <laughs> Being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore, it's accounted him for righteousness. In other words, he gave up. He wasn't looking at his age. He wasn't looking at Sarah's age. He wasn't looking at nothing. He wasn't looking at nothing on this earth. He just said, ah, God's got a covenant. And God, if he said it, he will not say it unless he's going to perform it. So I believe you, Lord. I believe your word. I believe your promise. The moment he did that, boom, he became the father of many nations. See, we're trying to look and see something working before we're believing. And, and Abraham said, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't look. You can't go and look at what the situation is. Oh, look, I got some hope this morning. The situation looks better. The moment you do that, you're taking yourself out of faith. Where your faith is put into, your faith is put into, if God is a God of covenant, and he is, then he will not promise you something that he is not able to perform. So therefore, if God says, by the stripes of Jesus, you're healed, well, then by the stripes of Jesus, you're healed. If God says, I, behold, all that you put your hands to will prosper, then you better be putting your hand to something. Oh, you just want him to prosper without putting your hand to something? Come on, church. You can't lay on the couch and eat potato chips and believe God for it. Just come in, mailbox money. We all want it. Oh, we all want it. Just get that inheritance. Come from afar. Win the lotto and just get that, uh, that, 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 what do they call it, an annuity? Or what do you get when you get paid off? You know, when it just comes out every month, you just get your little check every month. You go to the mailbox, get your check. No, he said everything you put your hand to will prosper. So put your hand to something. Then you can sit there and say, God, I put my hand to it. Oh, and then the devil comes in. Well, it's not prospering like it should because you didn't put your hand to the right thing. It doesn't say that. It says whatever you put your hand to prospers. Hey, hey, somebody came up with a crazy idea one day to sell a pet rock. And I don't know how much money they made off that, but I'm sure they made a pocket full of money off selling a pet rock. Huh? You gathered up a rock, planted a little face on it, sold it. Everybody said, oh, isn't it cute? It's a rock. Are you following me here? 
You're telling me God can't do it? You know that the man that invented the Krauss plow, the offset disc plow, was a Christian praying for God to give him a witty invention, gave him that invention of a Krauss plow so that everybody uses an offset plow right now. And the man became so wealthy that he lived on 10% and gave away 90. He said, oh, well, that would be so God, that would be so nice, God, if you'd just do something like that for me. Got to put your hand to something. Got to put your hand to something. But what happens to see along the way, along the way in this journey of faith, in this journey of understanding a God of covenant, we get scared. Because all of a sudden the devil starts trying to convince us that God's not going to perform what he said. And we start getting shaken. And we start getting scared. And we're like the disciples in the boat, bailing water and saying, oh God, the storm's going to knock us over. The storm's going to take us over while Jesus is asleep in the boat. We don't want to be the disciples bailing. We need to be Jesus like Jesus asleep on the, on the, on the little bed in the back. Happens to all of us. You're not a great big giant sinner because you got worried. Hello? Look at the person beside you and say, you're really not that big a sinner. What happens to us is that we all get in faith and then we start down that road and then we start giving up and then we start saying God's not going to do anything. And Oh, well, this church over here says God doesn't do anything anymore and we're just trying to make it to heaven and we start giving up and we give up ground here and we give up ground here and give up ground here, give up ground here and give up ground here. And then you find yourself standing on one little patch of ground. Remember Shaman the bean patch? Remember, he stood there and fought with the sword till his hand was, it says that it was hands, his fingers were claved to the sword. They couldn't even get his fingers open. He killed, killed Philistines all right there because he was fighting for his bean patch. Well, you've been giving up, folks. You haven't been fighting for your bean patch. You've been falling short. You've been giving up and letting the devil talk you out of it because you forgot that God is a God of covenant. And the devil has got you convinced that God's not performing some of the things you ask for, even though he says New Testament, ask and it shall be given, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened. Although it says there's nothing impossible with God that he's there for you. In John 14, he says anything you pray, he'll do. We say, oh, I prayed once and it didn't happen. Forget about that when that didn't happen. You know how many, listen, as a carpenter, do you know how many things I have built that didn't work? Do you know how many, how, how many anythings, anythings I've ever done, any, any holes I've drilled, screws I've put in? Do you know how many times I have screwed a screw into a board and it split? There's nothing of a worse feeling than having your board all made just right, and then you screw the screw in there and it splits? Do you know how many times I made that mistake until I found the right screw and the right way to do it so it wouldn't split? And if you want to know that, I've got it over here in 1995, I'll tell you. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, you know, it always doesn't work out, so you throw it away and you cut another one. Quit living in the past. Quit living in the, 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 the things that you said, well, it didn't work or this didn't happen or why didn't that work or why did this and that. Uh, man, you got to get that stuff behind you you got to start taking and learning from your lessons of what didn't work to figure out what does work. Come on, I'm preaching good. I'm telling you, man, you got to get it behind you. You'll sit there and try to figure out what went wrong over there, and the whole time you're figuring that out, man, life's going on, and you could have put your hand in something else. We went down there. i I, I got to tell you all this, okay? You know, I, 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 I've joked with 
Chad and Zach around here, you know, but I never had drilled a well. I never drilled a well. I never dig anything bigger than six foot in a post hole digger. That was, that was deep, six foot. I went down there with them, watched them drill one well. I don't know what I'm doing. And the guys keep asking me in Guatemala, why, are we, why do we do this? I said, I don't know. Chad and Zach said to. <laughs> I don't know. And so finally they asked me, so I, was, I was digging through the, the cuttings coming out, looking at them. We had a little strainer. Man, we really picked things up, man. We got little plastic strainers and everything now. We were doing top notch. And so I was looking through this stuff and I was looking at all that. Yeah. They said, how do you know when we get to water? I said, I haven't the slightest idea. And they just look at me like, what? You're the driller? I said, yeah. I ain't on I'm just poking a hole in the ground. Y'all understand this? I'm just trying to get this machine to put a hole in the ground, and then we'll sort things out from there. I don't know what I'm doing. We're learning as we go. And there's some things we've learned that I won't do again. Okay? You with me? And then there's some other things that we had to do that we had to improvise. Okay? We were taking our casing, and we were going to make... We, the, the, this Guatemalan said, hey, look, make a point on the end of your casing. Take that casing and make a point. Heat it up, make a point out of it so it'll slip down the hole better. And I said, well, okay, that sounds logical. And so I, we, I told the guys what we we're going to do. I took a little marker and I marked it out. So we need to cut these pieces out and then, it, then we'll, we'll heat it up and then we'll mold it down. And we said, we're going to put a little rope in there. We're going to make this thing good. So we get down to it. I said, well, how are we going to heat it? And I said, what do you mean? You just get me one of those little propane torches. I mean, that's all, you know. Well, we don't have a propane torch. What do you mean you don't got a propane torch? I mean, everybody's got a propane torch. You got a propane. Somebody's got to have a propane torch around here. I said, "There's a welding shop right down there. Go ask them. They got a propane torch." When then they come back, no, they don't have a propane torch. So what are you talking about? We do not have a propane torch. You mean I'm sitting here in the middle of this country and we can't find a propane torch? No, we got no propane torch. We can build a fire. I said, "Why do I want to build a fire in this lady's yard to heat up a piece of pipe?" I mean, I want a torch. So. Somebody said, well, the little lady in there has got a fire inside of her house in her oven. I said, I'm not taking a 20-foot joint of casing into this woman's house and stick it in her oven. This is just not right. They said, oh, she won't mind. I said, it's just not, I'm not going to do it. So after a while, I figured out there's no other way. So I said, well, I'm not taking a 20-foot joint in there. We need a couple of extra pieces. I go in there, I sawed me a 7-foot piece off cut the pieces out of it, and I had to go into this widow's house and stick this four-inch casing inside her oven. Well, I got the widow and her daughter. The widow's 87, so the daughter's like nobody knows, but she's, she's something. I mean, she's pretty old. So she commenced to tell me that I wasn't building the fire upright. So I had to back up and let her get in there. And then me and her got our heads stuck in there, trying to get the fire stoked up with this piece of pipe stuck in it. That wasn't in my playbook. All right? That's not in the well drilling playbook manual written down anywhere. And so my point is sometimes in life you have to improvise to get the job done because you don't have the proper tools. And you got to know God and you got to know what's going on enough to be able to improvise. It's like I told uh, Chad and Zach, I said, man, drilling, a monkey could drill. Just stand up there and crank it down, let her drill. It's figuring out all the problems that go on. That's what's, that's what's complicated. And sometimes life is like that, folks. 
But you got to understand, you got to know God. And if you're going to walk with him and work with him and learn about him, he's a God of covenant. And if he said he's going to do it, he's going to do it. And there's no problem on God's end. Because that takes me to the next point here. There's no problem on God's end. Because the second thing you got to know is God's a God of power. Okay, Jeremiah 32, 27. Behold, I am the Lord. The God of all flesh, is there anything too hard for me? Is there anything too hard for God? Almost any of us, any person, you say, can God do anything? And they'll say, oh, yeah, well, God can do anything. But the truth of the matter is most people don't believe God will do anything. They say he's got power to do it, but they don't believe he'll do it for them. What a great day when you understand God is a God of covenant. And not only do you understand he's a God of covenant, but that you're in covenant with him and that he can has all power and he can do anything if you'll believe him. Matthew 19, 26 says, but Jesus looked at them and said, with men it's impossible, with God all things are possible. The impossible side is on our side. With men it's impossible. But with God all things are possible. It says, what do you want to believe for? What do you want to believe for? You don't believe God's a God of covenant and you're in covenant with him and you're going to take your position as a child of God, an heir of the world, and believe God for your families to all be saved, for there to be healings and miracles in your families? The bus driver at Guatemala's uh, mother was in, a, in the hospital and had diabetes so bad in one of her, her feet that they were going to amputate her foot. And so he came to Bethany and asked her, this is like the week before I got there, and ask her if she would pray for her mother. And she said, well, when's she going to operation? She said, she's going in for operation tomorrow. So they prayed. She just said, Is it, it was 6.45 in the morning. She grabs the bus driver's hand. He's at Casa Angelina. Never saw the mother. Never laid hands on the mother. Prayed and said, just prayed a prayer over her. And then that was it. The next day she comes home. The bus driver's jumping up and down at the front of her, her door. And she says, what's going on? And he said, they went in there to cut my mother's foot off. And uh, the doctors could find no infection in her foot and said, why are we operating on this lady? There's nothing wrong with her foot. We're not going to take her foot off and send her out of the room. Over a simple prayer. Miles away. Not at the hospital. No big anointing oil service. No kneeling on beans. No candles. No, no, you know, voodoo, hoodoo. No nothing going on. No height, no ban, no smoke, no nothing. Prayer. Grabbed the person's hand and prayed in faith, knowing a God of covenant that said he'd do whatever he'd ask him to do. He's the God of power. And there's nothing that's impossible for him. Now, we humans can make it impossible for God to move because we won't get out of the way in our free will. Do you hear what I'm saying? We humans can make a mess out of the whole thing God's trying to do because we and our free will get in there and mess things up and God's not going to go against our free will. The third thing is, is according to Proverbs 131 that you have to know about God, it says, whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without the fear of evil. God is a protector. God protects what's his. God takes care of what's his. If you're his, he takes care of you. Why? Because he's a protector of what's his. I belong to God. End of story. When I get on the airplane, I don't think about it crashing. 
I don't think about it dying. I don't think about it going down in a fiery ball of flame. I don't think about nothing. I do think about how much harassment I'm going to get to get on that plane and the will of man and the people around me. But I'm not scared. I belong to God. You can't kill me. I can't die. I'm going to go to heaven. If I'm going to leave this earth, I'm just going to go sit up into heaven. I'm going to step right into glory, meet Jesus. I'm not worried about it. Hello? I don't worry about getting killed in Guatemala. I don't worry about things going on. Of course, I did. Man, I was sitting over there in my chair drinking my coffee, taking a little bit of break. Other guys are drilling, and boy, they, those guys think they're half Chinese or something. Oh, they love to shoot off fireworks. And somebody popped off a, I mean, the loudest boom louder than a shotgun. Went off right back behind me, and boy, I come out of there, spilt my coffee, jumped out, looking for something to grab hold of. I didn't know what had happened. Everybody stopped and looked at me, and I said, you guys didn't even jump. I said, what was that? And they said, oh, they're just shooting fireworks. We're used to it. I said, Lord, have mercy. If I'd have had a gun, I'd have drawed it. I'd have been ready. But God's a protector. He takes care of what's his. He's going to take care of you. you got to understand Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Once you're his, he's protecting you. Hear what I'm saying this morning, church. You think some devil in hell can drag you off? Bible says in John 10, 29 that you're in the palm of the Father's hand. Ain't nothing going to hurt you. You got to get your confidence. Being a Christian means this. You didn't join a club. You didn't join a denomination. You didn't join a church. This is what Christianity all is. You're in the kingdom. You're in covenant with God Almighty that created the heavens and the earth and all therein. Whoo! That's what it means. We got to grab hold of our power, grab hold of our authority, grab hold of our covenant. And when adversity comes, you just laugh at it and say, ha! Really? You think you're going to scare me? Oh, but pastor, there's a lot of scary things. He's the God of all flesh. Ain't nothing to do hard for him. I'm in covenant with him. He's my protector. He's a God of power. I'm in covenant with him. You got to grab hold of this church. This is what you have to walk in every day. This is what you have to declare every day. If you're going to have fellowship with God, you have got to know what God and his, who he is and how he moves. The fourth one here. Let me move along here. The fourth one here, I ain't never going to get through. <laughs> the fourth one here is you got to understand that God is a God of love. His, the language God speaks is love. Because I've been so blessed and been able to travel around the world, languages, in, when I hear languages, they, you know, they, they interest me, they they. You know, they're like, I don't understand this. I, I listen to somebody speaking, and I'm like, you're not saying nothing. You know? You listen to two Koreans speaking, you're like, you're not saying nothing. But then, you know, I get down there, and I get into, to, to, and, 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 I'm, and I'm going back and forth speaking English and Spanish during the day, and I'm realizing, isn't it weird? It's so weird that that... We have these different languages. And so then I got to thinking about the Tower of Babel. And I got to thinking about how here everybody was speaking the same language. And then one day, you know, God 
zapped and, and then languages were all up there and then everybody spoke different languages. What if today, I, you know, just, I just drink, I just always come up with wild thinking. What if today instantly everybody spoke the same language? Think about that. I mean, you know, we, we Americans would think, well, you know, everybody would be speaking English. Everybody else would have to learn something. <laughs> we would know it. But what if it wasn't? And so that's what brought me to this thought. What is the language of God? The language of God is love. Everything that comes out of God's mouth towards you is love. Parents, let me ask you something. Did you ever, did you ever stop your child from saying something by talking gruff to your child? Don't do that. And did you do it because you're mean? Well, somebody might have been. But isn't that still a language of love you're trying to teach your child? Don't put your finger in that socket. Don't touch it. You're going to get burned. It's still a language of love. Everything God has towards you, if you'll listen to this, if you hear, you say, I, I really feel like God's speaking to me. First thing, ask yourself, is it love? Because if it's not love, it's not God. If you feel like I, you woke up this morning and you heard God speaking to you and he said, you're the biggest idiot that ever walked on the face of the earth. That was not God. If you heard, if you think you heard the voice saying to you, you're never going to make it. You're always going to fail. That's not God. God's language to you is love. He doesn't speak anything but love. Romans 8 says you cannot be separated from the love of God. Hear that. You cannot be separated. Nothing. No principalities, no powers, no rulers, no anything can separate you from the love of God. God always loves you. Wow. So you just found out this morning that God, a God that always loves you, who wants to protect you, wants to be in covenant with you, and he just happens to make worlds in six days. That's, that's who you just came into a relationship with. <laughs> ah, And we're worried. Takes me right back to Jeremiah 9. Quit seeking to be famous in the world. Quit seeking your riches in the world. Why Didn't Jesus say the same thing? Seek first the kingdom of God and all the rest will be added to you? Seek the kingdom? Your relationship with, with Jesus is the greatest thing? Oh, but we've got to you know, do this and we've got to do this and we've got to become great people on this earth. You've got to know God. And then you'll become great on this earth. Solomon wasn't great because he was Solomon. Solomon was great because he had a relationship with God. I'm amazed. I'm just amazed at people. When I get around people here, tell me they tell me things, sit around all day long and tell me their tell woes. But very few people can sit around and tell me how they know God and what He's done for them and what He's doing for them. And their expectation and what he's told them. Very few people can do that. Because most of the time, we have this sense. It's just like the Wizard of Oz. It's the best example I've got. It's the Wizard of Oz. The great and powerful Oz. And the fire and the smoke and everything's up there. If you don't know what I'm talking about, oh my Lord, go rent the movie. 
And it's smoke and fire and everybody's scared. The lion's shaking and the scarecrow's shaking and everybody's shaking because they're going in front of this great and powerful Oz. And they think that's God. They think that's their heavenly father. They think that's what God's like. That imagery is in their mind. Don't bother him. Don't get too close to him. You might get smoked. You may, you know, he may going to rebuke you. He may smack you in your head. You know, he may put sickness on you. He may kill you. You can't get too close to the great and powerful Oz. And that imagery is in people's minds. And so they don't have a relationship with God because they think that's God. They don't understand that he wants to have a relationship with you, that he is the most powerful thing that has ever been on, on, on earth or anywhere. He creates worlds and he says, I'm the God of all flesh and there's nothing too hard for me. And he wants to be in covenant with you. And the language he's going to speak to you is always going to be the language of love. Jeremiah 31.3 says, the Lord has appeared to me of old, saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I've drawn you. God does things by love. Even if you were to hear God say, please stop doing that. He's doing it out of love. Because you're killing yourself. And let me give you one more. The fifth thing here. Not only in this covenant with and only in the nature of God is. God is a God of love, but God is also a God of forgiveness. This is what's amazing to me. Y'all should so be glad that I'm not God. Because I could never operate in these principles like this. I'm not saying I'm never going to forgive you, but my point is we, we humans tend to want vengeance. We tend to want to, 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 to bring wrath, smack them upside the head, really show them what's going on, you know? Yes, I love you. Come here. <clears throat> don't ever do that again. Y'all, we tend to be that way. That's our nature. When they begin to, you know, I told them to quit telling me the stories of the kids because I couldn't handle it anymore because I was so eat up with anger of wanting to just basically go and kill the people that have done this to the kids. I just couldn't get over it. I just would hear it and it would just get in my mind and then I'd begin to think of ways to do it and then I'd begin to just be joyful and asking the Lord to give me like a black van and you know, five guys with rubber hoses and, you know, and just go around town. And, you know, and I, I mean, I was down to the computers and search locations and pictures and finding. I mean, I was getting into this. Finally, I said, this is not, the uh, Bible says for me to think of good things, think of things that are positive, think of lovely and things that are of a good report. And I'm not thinking of that. I'm thinking of murder and ways of murder. Because I get so angry that some, you know, would do this to a child, Right? But you got to understand God. God is a God of forgiveness. And although I can understand it, if those people repented and turned to God, he would forgive them. And I have to deal with that. And I wouldn't. I wouldn't let them in. I'd say, buddy, you're going to burn. You're going to sizzle like a sausage. But God's a God of forgiveness. He's a God of love. His language is love. And he is a God of Forgiveness, there's nobody that will come to him that they will repent and ask for forgiveness that will not be forgiven. So then why do you live in guilt? Why do you separate yourself from God by living in guilt? Why do you punish yourself and give the devil place to work on you living in guilt, saying, well, you didn't do this right and break your relationship with God? God's a God of forgiveness. God's a God of forgiveness. Don't live in guilt. 
repent. Ask for forgiveness. And he said, you'll receive it. So then there's nothing between you and God. I'll give you, I'll just tell you one short story. This is a true story. There was a missionary in Africa. And this and 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 he, he was trying to preach this tribe. But in in the trip over there and all he'd got a cold, and then as he got in, in inland into the country, there's a lot of things that were attacking his allergies, and he was having all kinds of cold symptoms and stuff. And he had a handkerchief and he was blowing his nose. He'd blow his nose and put it in his pocket. And uh so he went to the chieftain and they talked and uh, nothing happened. You know, they weren't interested, didn't want to talk. So he went back the next day, still had the same problem, blowing his nose, wiping his nose, putting his handkerchief in his pocket. Five days he went through preaching to this crowd, never could break, just praying, oh God, just let, give them a, let them have a word, let them have a word, just, oh God, let's, let's get me get into their lives. Fifth day the chieftain finally spoke up and he said, we have one question for you. It's like, here it is. Here it is. And he says, yes. He says, why do you keep that stuff? <laughs> and he says, keep what stuff? He says, you blow your nose and then you put the rag in your pocket and you keep that stuff. Why do you do that? So that's very offensive to us. What I'm saying to you this morning is, if you're living in guilt, beating yourself up and thinking God's not going to forgive you, it's just the same as that missionary. You're doing something that's offensive to God because you're not believing that He'll forgive you. He's, you're not believing that He can restore you. You're not believing God is a God of restoration. And it's just like blowing your nose right in front of Him and keeping it. I just wanted to put some imagery in your mind. <laughs> that you will not forget. So put your Bibles up and stand to your feet. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to give you an opportunity here to repent. Lord, just come play something. If you're out there this morning and you're listening or watching the broadcast, I just want you to know Jesus loves you right where you are. If you've never given your heart to Jesus right there, just begin to call out on His name. Ask Him to come into your life, forgive you of your sins. And He will, right where you are. But I want to pray for you in here this morning. Matter, matter of fact, let me have my prayer team, whoever your prayer team people are today, come down. I just want you to know this morning that God loves you. Hear me, church. God loves you. And His language to you is love. And if you've been plagued with guilt, and you've always let a little something be between you and Him. Because you haven't forgiven yourself for the mistakes you made, for the dumb mistakes you made. may have been the biggest, dumbest mistake that ever could have been in life. But let me tell you what, He wants to forgive you. He wants there to be nothing between y'all. He doesn't want you to have a dirty rag in your pocket. And all you got to do is right there in your chair right now. Ask Him to forgive you. Repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry for what I did. I'm sorry for what 
offense there may be between us. And right there asking to forgive you. Father, right now all over this building you see people's hearts. You see their hearts and you know what's going on in their lives. And wherever there's guilt, wherever there's a separation between you and them, ask you to hear their hearts. Because you're a God of forgiveness. And forgive them, Lord. Let them receive it right now. Receive it into their hearts. Receive it into their lives. Your love and your forgiveness. Lord, like you're pouring out healing oil over the tops of their heads, let them feel your forgiveness come over them. Washing them and cleansing them and setting them free right now. Lord, I pray and I thank you that you are a God of covenant. You are a God of covenant. And today, we grab hold of that. We gave you our lives. And I thank you that you give us eternal life and all that's in the kingdom. And you are able to perform what you've promised. And Lord, we praise you for that. What an amazing thing. What an amazing thing. So Lord, I just declare over us all that when we leave this building and we go out into this world, we have something to tell everybody about this amazing, this amazing God that we serve. So Lord, I just declared over each and every one of us this revelation sealed on our hearts and that today our lives are changed. And Lord, we thank you for, we praise you for, in Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. We're here up front to pray for you, church. If you need it, God bless you. Go out and be bright and shining lights. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Link's in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you, and if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you, and remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.